0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the heights this morning. Uh, Welcome those of you who are here. Welcome for those of you who are joining us online. You know, as we were worshiping this morning, I was just thinking, God inhabits the praise of his people. And when we just open up our hearts and genuinely praise God and worship God and express our love to God, God just moves into that space. And and that's what we've already sensed this morning. And, And whenever we find ourselves in the presence of God, then we really want to hear from God. And I pray that's the disposition of your heart right now, that you're just, your prayers, Lord, speak. Your servant listens. So with that in mind, we're just going to dive right in. You good with that? We're going to jump into the text. We're in Ruth uh, chapter 3 today, so go ahead and open your Bible up. Find that portion of Scripture. If if you've missed the last couple of Sundays, no worries. We're in Ruth 3. Maybe you're joining us online or you're a guest today, and this is your first time here. I'll try to catch you up as we go along. But basically, in the book of Ruth, what we've seen are three very different faith journeys. But, but I don't want you, as you look at these different faith journeys, to try to identify, man, do I identify with uh, Naomi, or is it with Ruth, or is it with Boaz? No, no, no. In, in each of these faith journeys, the truth is, we see some of ourselves. if we'll look closely, I believe we can, see some of ourselves in every one of these people. Uh, because in these three faith journeys, we see doubt, and the truth is we all struggle with doubt from time to time in various ways to different degrees. But we also see obedience. And, and you experience obedience to God. You wouldn't be here this morning if it weren't for you striving to obey God's will in your life. Students, you're striving to obey God. That's why you're down here front and center. Uh, so God bless you for that. We, we, we identify with that. God, I want to obey you. And then we see God's provision just poured out through people's obedience. And here's kind of, uh, as as I studied this text, man, here's here's the big thought that I just really want us to get our minds around today, and it's this. We experience God's goodness, God's provision, God's blessing when we obey him in spite of our doubt. Now, can we just all admit, I want to hear a vote, Uh, yes or no is the vote. Do you agree with this statement? We all experience doubts. We're followers of Jesus, we love Jesus, uh, or we're just exploring who Jesus is. Maybe you're just really here to investigate, and the reality is we all know what it is to doubt God, God's ways, God's plan. Uh, You agree or disagree, we all experience doubt, yes or no? All right, great, awesome. And so I want you to dive into the text with me and just notice Naomi's doubt. It says, Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you? that it may be well with you. Now, let me catch you up if you've not been here the other two Sundays in this series. uh, Ruth and Naomi were in a tight spot. I mean, they were in a pickle. They were in a difficult situation. Here's here's kind of the reality, a little bit of background. They'd gone to Moab. They're back in Bethlehem now. Ruth has come with Naomi from Moab to Bethlehem. There's no immediate family. There's no real way to make money. There's no social security, no retirement account. And they are in a tight spot. You go well. Why don't they get, go get a job? You got to understand. Uh, Moses lived about fifteen hundred years before the birth of Jesus. King David comes along about a thousand years. This is during the era of the judges. So it's 12, 1,300 years before the birth of Jesus. And the idea of women going out and getting a job and having a career and making money and becoming independent—it just hadn't, uh, you know, come about yet, right? And so it was a very patriarchal, male-dominated society. So So it was really hard for Naomi or Ruth to go get a job and about the only thing they could do to survive was to glean. So they're in a tight spot. I mean, they're just trying to figure out how we're going to keep a roof over our head and food in our belly. I mean, this is, this is one of those times, you know, where it's time to radio in to ground control. Houston, uh, we got a problem, right? This is the time you make the phone call you never wanna have to make. You you call somebody up and you go, hey man, something's going on and it's really bad and and I need your help, but uh, before I tell you, uh, let me ask you, are you sitting down? And this is one of those times where it's kind of, Naomi's making the call and she's saying, hey, are you sitting down for this because this is really bad? And, And we see in the next verses, Naomi's doubt. We see how Naomi it has given up on trusting God to provide, and now her solution, we're about to read it, her solution is to take matters into her own hands and to get Ruth married off. That was her solution. God, if you're not gonna take care of this, I'll take care of this, because I can't count on you. Listen to what she says. It is not Boaz, this is Naomi talking to Ruth, our relative, whose young, woman, young women you were. With whose young women you were. She was out gleaning in the previous chapters. See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash, therefore, and anoint yourself. Put on perfume, cologne. Put on a cloak. Go down to the threshing floor, but do not make yourself known to the man until he is finished eating and drinking. We're not talking Welch's grape juice. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies, then go and uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, all that you say I will do. PG version, summary, what Naomi's saying is, Ruth, we're in a tight spot. God's not gonna take care of us. So we're gonna have to take care of ourselves. and here's the plan. Ruth, if we're gonna survive, here's what you gotta do. You gotta do whatever it takes to get a man You gotta do whatever it takes to snag a husband. That's our only hope. You gotta do whatever it takes to get Boaz to notice you, to like you, and yes, to marry you. Why is she so set on Ruth catching Boaz's eye because Boaz is a male. Boaz has assets. Boaz would then provide for them shelter and food and kids and grandkids. I mean, there's no sense in trying to really clean this up too much. Let's don't Christianize the text so that we don't even recognize the text. What Naomi is saying is Ruth, our only hope, Our only hope of survival is that you can get Boaz to be your sugar daddy. And you're going to be his trophy wife. That's what she's saying. Now, Ruth follows Naomi's plan to the T almost. And we'll come back to Ruth in a moment, but I want you to notice what she does in the text. We just read it. She waits until he's eaten and he has drank his fill and we're talking wine and he's drank plenty of wine. She watches until he's alone. She watches where he beds down and then she sneaks over under the cover of night and she pulls back the covers and she crawls into his bed on the threshing floor. I mean, after all, what happens on the threshing floor stays on the threshing floor. So who's to know? Now, why is Naomi encouraging such deception? Why is she encouraging this seduction? Because Naomi's confidence in God had been shaken remember there is famine Uh, her husband and her two sons make their way to Moab in Moab her husband dies her two sons die Ruth had married one of her sons now they're back up in Bethlehem but they have no means to provide for themselves and there is nothing that that Naomi can see that God is doing to take care of them and so she is saying God you are not providing you're not taking care of us I can't trust in your provision I've come to doubt you, that you really care about us. And here's an important point. When faith gets shaken, morals get compromised. See, it's when we begin to doubt God that we begin to say to God, okay, God, I tried this your way, but you're not gonna take care of it, so I'm just gonna have to take matters into my own hands. I'm gonna have to do it my way. Uh, Where has your faith been shaken? Where have you started doubting God's provision in your life? Some of you, you're dating. You've been dating a lot longer than you want to date. You want to be married. By the way, some of you are single. You're not dating, and you don't wanna be married. There's nothing wrong with that. Jesus was single, and he did just fine, amen? Now, now, but those of you who are dating and you're like, no, 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 I want to get married and and you're going on longer than you thought and and, and it's so easy to begin to doubt God that God is gonna bring you someone who loves Jesus as much as you love Jesus and so it's really easy to kind of pull a Naomi and just say, okay God, I'm sorry, but I gotta do what I gotta do or I'm gonna never get married. Where have you started doubting God and telling God, God, I gotta do what I gotta do. You're just moving way too slow. See, parents know what it is to start doubting God, right? We're trusting God, praying for God to protect our kids, because we don't want our kids to go through pain or suffering. And by the way, I don't want any of my kids or grandkids to go through pain or suffering. And so we pray that God will protect them and we do everything we can to protect them. And then one of our kids, whom we love with all of our heart, goes through a painful time. Maybe it's a medical issue, maybe it's a financial issue, maybe it's they're bullied, maybe it's I don't know what the pain is, but there They're going through the pain and they're crying. They didn't make the team. They didn't this, that, that. And it's so easy as a parent to say, God, I tried this your way and you're not taking care of my kids. So I'm gonna have to handle this my own way. And before you know it, here is grizzly bear. Here's mama bear. And both are real things. And you find yourself saying things, shouting, doing, threatening. Because, well, God didn't take care of it. So God, I'm gonna have to take this into my own hands and I'll take care of it. And all the while, maybe you miss that God actually is providing and protecting and God is intentionally allowing some of the students sitting right here, listen to me, go through some of the most difficult, challenging times in life because he knows that, that when you go through painful times, that produces steadfastness. And when you stay with Jesus, you're just steadfast with Jesus, come what may, no matter how painful it gets, God uses that steadfastness even in the midst of the pain to perfect and complete our faith. And while your kids are there under your watch, God's going, that's the best time for me to lead them through some painful times so they will learn steadfastness to jesus even in the midst of the pain where have your doubts caused you to just go fine i'll do this my way god this may be wrong but i got to do what i got to do to survive if doing this is wrong then god i'm sorry i don't even want to be right I know it's a song. They don't get it. Don't worry. God, I, I gotta take care of this my way, but then I'm gonna tell you I'm sorry, and I'm gonna come back to you after I do this my way. God, I, I, I'm sorry, but I, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to tell this person off. God, I'm sorry, but I'm gonna have to conceal this thing from my boss because I need the bonus for Christmas. God, I'm sorry, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna hang on to my bitterness because if I forgive this person, I know good and well, God, you're so kind and gracious, you're gonna forgive this person and that's gonna let them off the hook and I'm not gonna let them off the hook, so I'm sorry, God, I'm gonna handle this my way. See, it's so easy to go through Naomi's doubts, but I want you to notice Ruth's obedience because in those moments when we doubt, what God does is He invites us to embrace obedience. And remember, God uses our obedience as the funnel through which He pours His goodness into our life. Look at Ruth's obedience. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I'm Ruth, your servant spread your wings over your servant for you are a redeemer and he said may you be blessed by the lord my daughter you've made this last kindness greater than the first and that you have not gone after young men whether poor or rich ruth is a convert remember she's in moab and she tells ruth your god shall be my god and now she's a convert She's trusting in God's power to provide for her. No matter what her doubting mother-in-law does, she is trusting in God's power to provide, not her powers of seduction. And so what does she do? Pretty impressive. Immediately, she tells Boaz her name, I am Ruth. Immediately, she tells Boaz her intention, your servant. What she's saying is, I'm not looking for a one-night stand. I'm not looking for a good time on the threshing floor. Here's what I'm looking for. I am looking to enter into a marriage with you, Boaz, and yes, I will serve you, Boaz, and yes, Boaz, you will serve me, and that's what marriage is. Two people coming together and loving each other and serving each other, and that's what I intend and then she tells him a request and this is not just any just run-of-the-mill request. You are a redeemer. Did you catch that? She's saying, here's my request. Right there on the threshing floor, under the cover of night, she's going, here's my proposal. It's for marriage, but not just marriage. I'm asking you to be a redeemer, and you've got to understand, Boaz got it. You and I don't. She's saying, here's what I'm asking you to do, Boaz. I'm asking you to marry me. We're going to have kids. The oldest son is not going to take your name, Boaz. He's going to take the name of my ex-husband, who's now dead and he'll be your son biologically, but you're gonna raise him as my ex-husband's son. And oh, by the way, all of your assets, Boaz, this is the good part. You're gonna love this, Boaz. Now, you're not gonna pass that along to any kids you already have. You're not gonna pass that along to any of the other kids that we have. The primary, the majority of it, the, 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 the chunk of it, what you're gonna do is you're gonna pass it on to our eldest son, who's not gonna have your name. And then that inheritance is gonna be passed down the line in his name, not in your name. Boaz, you couldn't ask for a better deal. What do you say? You want to get married? And Boaz, as we'll see in a minute, says, Yeah, actually, I do. It's God's will, it's God's plan. It's right out of God's word. Let's do it. Let's get married. See, Ruth chose to trust in God's provision without compromising her morals. When you think about it, she chose trust and obey over doubt and compromise. So let me ask you, where are you trusting in God's plan over your own right now? Because like Ruth, even though you've got some doubts of what, what, is God gonna come through? How's God gonna come through? But, But doesn't matter, you're just choosing to keep obeying Jesus, uh, God's word, God's will, uh, you're choosing obedience over your doubts. Where are you doing that just like Ruth? Some of you right now, you're doing that in your marriage because you are faithful in your marriage. And oh, it's not like you haven't had opportunities. It's not like you've never been invited to a threshing floor. But time after time, opportunity after opportunity, what you do is you've chosen to flee immorality. You've chosen to distance yourself from the threshing floor. And you've done that not because you're a goody two-shoes, but because you stood at an altar and you entered into a covenant relationship with another person and that covenant was not based on feelings. It was based on a commitment to love and cherish for better or for worse, for richer or for poor, till death do you part. And you're sticking to the commitments. Some of you, most of you, you're doing just what Ruth did, choosing obedience even in the face of your doubts and the temptations of the threshing floor. Others of you are doing that with generosity. This church is so generous and, and just everything in your circumstances says you can't afford to be generous, not towards God, yourself, or others, but every month, month after month, check after check, you're still generous towards God with a tithe. You're generous towards yourself and saving for retirement. And you're generous towards others and responding to their needs. And you're living less, not on the 100%, you're living on less so that you can be generous towards God, yourself, and others because you're choosing just what Ruth did. Even in the face of your doubts, I can't afford to be generous. You're choosing obedience over compromise. Now notice this, we all doubt. When we doubt, God invites us to respond with obedience and when we do, we experience God's goodness. Read with me, starting with verse 11. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I'll do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it's true that I'm a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight and in the morning. If he'll redeem you, good. Let him do it. But if he's not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So she lay at his feet until the morning but arose before one could recognize another and he said, let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor." You notice how immediately Boaz moves to protect Ruth's innocence and her reputation, how he immediately agrees to be the redeemer. And I want you to notice how God just used Boaz's obedience, Ruth's obedience, as a funnel through which he started to pour in his blessing. I mean, you look at the blessing that he poured into Boaz's life. Boaz is older. We don't know how much older. We just know he's older and Ruth is younger. And here is a man who is single. There's no indication that he had other kids. and so now now he moves from a place of aloneness and isolation to all of a sudden he is married. And then we know that they had a kid, most likely kids, plural. And he moves to a place where now he is getting to hold his son. He's getting to, to rock his son. He's getting to change diapers. He's getting to do what I did yesterday. I'm holding my grandson. And my grandson is already crazy. About me. I know, I know because I'm looking at him and I'm telling him, I love you, I love you. And he, two and a half months old, got the biggest smile on his face. And all of a sudden I'm like, Look, 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 you know? And Boaz is holding his son, and Boaz is teaching his son how to take his first steps, and Boaz is teaching and coaching his son in T-ball. They had it back 1,100 years before Jesus was born. And and Boaz is now older, and I, I picture there's all kinds of family around the table, and there's laughter, and there's love, and there's fullness, and there's wholeness. And Boaz is saying, man, I am a wealthy man because God has poured his provision into my life. And don't forget about Ruth's provision. Naomi's provision, I mean, all of a sudden, here's a husband and and, and here's provision and here is a son and the son has a son who has a son, and and, and, and along comes a king by the name of David, and, and a son, and a son, and a son, until along comes another king named Jesus, and Jesus is saying, Ruth, here's what I'm gonna do. You once were in Moab worshiping Chemosh, and Chemosh, they would offer up babies and offer them up as a sacrifice to their pagan satanic God, and now she's following the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and now God is saying, Ruth, I am going to write you into my story. And I can write a way better story for your life than you can write for your own. See, God uses our obedience as a funnel for his goodness. Stop and think about that for a minute. You've been obedient like Ruth in so many areas of your life. And God's been pouring his goodness into your life, just like he did into Boaz's life and Ruth's life. What does that provision look like for you? Yesterday, Kim and I were driving back from our family's place in Grayford, and uh, she's driving because I'm going over the sermon notes and looking at it and talking to her about the sermon. And it dawns on me about the time we hit Richardson, uh, you know, wait a minute, I don't, in my sermon, I need to come up with some more examples and illustrations of how God pours his provision, his blessing into our life when we choose obedience over compromise. And about this time, literally, you're gonna think I'm exaggerating. I'm honestly not, I'm about to exaggerate. of the story, but not this part. And so we're, we're, we're coming down Campbell and we're coming up on Plano Road. And so there's a traffic light there. Uh, I, I like to call them stoplights because that's what they always are for me is stoplights, stop right. But but I'm telling you, I mean, here's the center lane and I'm gonna say 20 cars. Maybe it wasn't quite 20, but work with me here. I mean, there's like 20 cars in the center lane and there's like 25 cars in the right-hand lane. And, and, and I'm just saying, hey, help me think through what are some of the ways that God provides when we're obedient to him. And we're in the left-hand lane. And all the while, we're just going, whoo, 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 whoo. Because my wife, she fancies herself. Don't tell her I told you this. But, but she fancies herself as a race car driver because she used to ride motorcycles with her dad. And so she just likes going fast. And I'm like, why don't you just stomp on the guy? I like going fast. And I'm like, okay, okay, great. And so, I mean, we're just zooming by. And, 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 we're, and I'm just like, whoa. Does somebody bring about Christmas Day and fail to tell me? And then it dawns on both of us. Wait a minute, she's trying to get by to go help her mom with some stuff and and she's just trying to get back as fast as she can and here's God like, oh here, let me give you a green light escort and I'll get all the cars out of the left hand lane. How's God just pouring his blessing into your life? My guess is you're, you're zooming by like we were at about 50 miles an hour going, I don't know. I just don't see it. How's God blessing us? And then you stop and start thinking. And Kim and I, I mean, as fast as I could write, we started writing down just all the ways that God blesses us in such small ways, but they're amazing. I mean, it's that parking spot right in front of the door when you're running late. Every other time, it's not open, right? I mean, every other time, you're like walking a mile and God's going, hey, that's my blessing. You need the exercise. Just park out there. Right? Right? But, but when you really need it, sometimes you'll just open up that parking spot. As parents, you know it, when, when your, your child, right here in this student group, comes home and says, I love the student ministry. I just talked to a family, and they're here because their student fell in love with our student ministry. And our students, by the way, they're not falling in love with the ministry, they're falling in love with the other students. And that's you guys. Can we applaud these students who love Jesus? Amazing. And mom and dad, when your child loves the student group and starts loving Jesus, is that not the provision of God? Or what about when your child comes home and your child's a kindergartner and your child says, I love kindergarten because God has given them a teacher who is kind and compassionate and they just love it. That's the blessing of God. What about when you're in college and all of a sudden, the new love of your life, you get to know them and you realize they love Jesus as much and maybe more than you do. That's what God did for me. When I started walking with God, he introduced me to Kim and I was head over hills and then quickly realized that she loves Jesus. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. What about when you're a student and you don't make the team? Or you get cut and you're broken up about it. You go to God and you go, God, I, I wanted to make that team. But in the midst of praying, God just gives you a peace that just passes even your ability to understand it. And you're thinking, I thought I'd be more broken up over this. And then it dawns on you that your parents are actually taking it harder than you are And you start kind of consoling them and encouraging them. Mom and dad, you always gotta trust God and follow God and God's got a plan for my life. See, those are the ways that God provides. Small ways. You wanna know how God provides? I'll tell you one of the ways he did for Kim and me. Our daughter's like late 20s, early 30s. I don't remember the ages. And she'd always said when she was growing up, man, when I get older, And she said this when she was a teenager, old enough to know better. I don't want to live in a small town like Dallas. (laughs) She was challenged in certain ways, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, where do you want to live? I want to live in a a real town like New York City. (sighs) We took her to New York City just so she would realize what a dumb dream that was and she goes, oh, I wanna live in New York City. Pandemic comes along. She works from home. She's like, Mom and Dad, I'm moving to New York City. We're like, Seriously? Yay! (laughs) Because we're supportive of our kids. You gotta follow God's dream for your life. No. And all the time I'm going, God, seriously? My daughter's never gonna get married. Because there's no godly men in New York City. Everybody knows that. (laughs) Next thing we know, guess what? My daughter, who's now pregnant with my second grandson. Yeah, no, no, that's okay. Okay, wait, wait. wait for it here. She meets this young man named Philip, who's a dentist. And oh, by the way, he grew up on the mission field and loves Jesus, and they're following Jesus in Manhattan. I think there are the only two left, but they are following Jesus <laughs> in Manhattan. And that's where you go, God, you're amazing. Your provision is incredible. So here's, here's what I wanna ask you. We're gonna, we're gonna take the Lord's Supper this morning. But before we do, I wanna invite you to do one of two things. Just just hang with me here on this one, just a second. Bad Gary, I shouldn't have mentioned this. I was just getting you set on the time. I, didn't, I knew you were thinking, Cowboys kick off. Now, now you're all going, really, noon? Oh no, yeah, it's okay, just hang with me. Yeah, I wanna invite you to do one of two things. You ready? Number one, some of you, I wanna invite you, and, and I'm talking to some of you online too. You're just tuning in cuz you want to kind of check out Jesus from a distance, a safe distance. I want to invite you to begin a faith journey just like Ruth did. Ruth is over here in Moab. Chemosh is her god. She hears about God. She hears about God, no doubt, from her husband who's now deceased, from her father-in-law. But she also hears about God from Naomi, who's bitter and not the best representative of God that you can find. I'm guessing, right? But but what she hears about God sounds way better than Chemosh, and she's like, "Your God shall be my God. I'm going to a place where I can follow Your God. Come on, Bethlehem. Let's go, Bethlehem." And she hears about God and makes a faith commitment to God. And and some. Of you, that's exactly where you are this morning. You've heard about Jesus and and now someone, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a family member, maybe they represent Jesus really well. Maybe they don't represent Jesus really well. But the truth is you've heard about Jesus. And what I'm inviting you to do today is exactly what Ruth did. Make a faith commitment to Jesus. And and you'll go through seasons where you doubt that Jesus is going to handle something, but you're going to choose to trust Jesus and obey Jesus in spite of your doubts. And God is going to use that as a funnel through which he pours his blessing and provision into your life he may not write you onto the pages of scripture like he did Ruth but he will write an amazing story for your life and I invite you today to turn to Jesus and ask Jesus to forgive you and to be your savior whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved just call upon Jesus right now and say Jesus right now right now Jesus I believe he died on a cross in my place, I believe you took my sin upon yourself. I believe you rose again from the grave, conquering sin, death, Satan, and hell, and right now, Jesus, I'm asking you to save me. I'm asking you to come into my life, give me the gift of eternal life. I'm asking you to be my king, and I will follow you. In just a moment, Trace will dismiss us after the Lord's Supper, Uh, and and I'm gonna be right back here at this next step room. I'd love to talk to you. Uh, I'll connect you with somebody else who will talk to you about how you can really take that step of faith if you didn't do it just right then. If you did, we wanna hear about it. Second invitation is this. For those of you who've already made a commitment of faith, I wanna invite you to do what Boaz did, and that is to continue to trust God and obey God in spite of your doubts, just like Boaz See, I don't, again, I don't know where your doubts are right now, but I do know this. Boaz grew up in the faith, grew up around godly people. Uh, Boaz uh, practiced proximity to God and this proximity to God led to passion for God. And, And that's your story. Some of you, you've grown up maybe around the faith and early on you made a faith commitment and now you're practicing proximity to God. You're reading your Bible and you're praying and you're confessing your sin and you're trying to walk with Jesus. And here's my encouragement to you. Continue on in the faith just like Boaz. And listen to me. the the threshing floor just like it did for Boaz is going to call out to you and when it does you flee immorality and and, and the idea of generosity you're going to be invited to practice generosity just like Boaz was and everything in you is going to say I can't afford to practice generosity I can't be somebody's redeemer I can't bless anyone else I can't even take care of myself but you just like Boaz keep trusting God and obeying God and here's what I can tell you based on the authority of God word he will continue to funnel his blessing and his goodness into your life so continue don't be distracted continue in obedience to god listen we're gonna we're gonna take together the lord's supper and i invite you if you have the elements to get them out and we're taking the lord's supper because jesus said Do this as often as you do it in remembrance of me. As often as you do this, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. When you take this, what you're doing is you are proclaiming, Jesus, you are the provision. For my sin, you're the provision for my salvation. That's why he says take and eat. It's not just take and hold and look at it and believe that's bread. No, he says, no, this is my body, take and eat. I want you to take me in. I want you to commit. I want you to receive me and follow me. So with that in mind, the invitation of Jesus is, this is my body, take and eat. And you talk about blessing and provision. He tells us, there is no remission, forgiveness, cleansing, washing of sin without the shedding of blood. The wages of sin is death. And here is his provision. He said, my blood is the payment for your sin. This is my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. Take and drink. Will you pray with me as Trace comes to close our time out? Lord Jesus, may we admit where we're like Naomi and doubt. Father, may we have the kind of faith that Ruth had where we choose obedience in the face of our doubts. And Father, as we do that, would you do for us what you did for Boaz, Ruth, and Naomi? Would you please just continue to use our obedience as the funnel through which you pour your amazing blessing into our lives. We pray it in Jesus' holy name, amen.